Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You could also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to Quad City. My name is Brendan. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're honored that you would choose to start your week off by worshiping with us. I want to say a, a welcome to those of you tuning in online from whenever and wherever you are. We're so glad you're here. And then a special welcome to those of you tuning in in Prescott Valley. It's a great reminder for us that we are one church in multiple locations. And I've got to be honest, PV, man, I am continually encouraged to hear of all of the ways that you guys are impacting the, the town of Prescott Valley for the kingdom of God. We're so grateful to have you with us uh, and keep up the great work. Well, here's how we're going to start our time together today. I want to paint a picture of a scenario that I can practically guarantee you've been a part of many, many times throughout your time here on this earth. It goes something like this. this. Imagine with me that you're out in public, right? Maybe you're enjoying a Saturday morning downtown or uh, doing some grocery shopping. Maybe you're hiking on one of your favorite trails when you look up and you recognize the face of someone moving in your direction. Maybe it's an old friend or a coworker from from a past job. And if you're an introvert like me, then you take a big, deep breath and you prepare for the worst, right? They're going to stop you. They're going to talk to you. And that's exactly what they do. There's uh, small talk about the weather, about what day of the week it is, all sorts of the crazy things that we talk about when we don't know what to talk about. And then they ask you some form of the following question. They say, hey, how are you? Like, what have you been up to lately? right? We all have heard that question. And in unison, we probably all answer it the same way. We say, man, things are really good, but life is just so, what? One more time, life is just so busy. Life is just so busy. See, in our culture, like being and staying busy is the only socially acceptable position. Like we're expected just to move from one thing to the next at all times, right? If it's not the nine to five, it's the side hustle. If it's not the side hustle, right? It could be the sports tournament. If it's not the kid's sports tournament, maybe it's the book club or the hobby or the school drop-off and pickup line. Like we are expected to keep going and going and going. And not only are we okay most of the time just submitting to this worldly expectation of, of busy, but oftentimes we find ourselves proud of it. Like we find ourselves taking a step back and proud of the things that we can accomplish in every, any given week. Like we wear the, the chaos of our lives as a badge of honor as if we find our worth more in the things that we do than we do in the God that we serve, 
right? And then five, 10, 15 years down the road, we take a look back at our lives and we realize how, how discontent we are, how unhappy we are, and how we're ultimately just numb to the way that we're doing our lives. The church, the way that we're existing as a culture is completely and utterly broken. And I know I'm starting off on a really, really positive note here, but bear with me because genuinely, man, I believe that the way that we live our lives as followers of Jesus has this, this peace and a hope to it. In fact, I would suggest that in scripture, we find the solution, like the very solution for this ruthless pursuit of busy. And that solution is the spiritual discipline of the Sabbath. And let's pray together. Father God, we love you. God, we're so grateful to live in a time and a place to where we can do this publicly and openly, that you've given us the ability to come together and to worship you, and to sing songs that praise you, to, to pray to you publicly without any persecution. God, it's an incredible gift that I pray we never take for granted. God, as we move into a time of just cracking open your word and, and trying to learn as much as we can from it, I pray that you would use your Holy Spirit to, to convict us, God, to open our eyes to see and our ears to hear the goodness that you have in store for us as followers of you. God, more than anything, we're grateful for your son, Jesus, and we pray all these things in his precious name. Amen. All right. So with the rest of our time together today, I really just want to spend the bulk of it answering these three questions. What is the Sabbath? Like, what do we mean when we say that word Sabbath? Why does the Sabbath matter? And how is it that we in 21st century America observe the Sabbath? So let's dive in. What is the Sabbath? Well, the word Sabbath, our English word Sabbath, actually comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which is most literally translated to stop or to cease all doing. Now, one of the earliest teachings uh, that use this word Sabbath comes to us in Exodus chapter 20. So if you have your Bible, turn it on or turn it to Exodus 20. We're going to be spending the bulk of our time right there in that chapter. And you're likely already very familiar with Exodus 20 because it's within this text that God would give Abraham and the, the Israelites, sorry, God would give Moses and the Israelites some commands that would turn out to be really, really, really important even for us today. In fact, it would be these 10 commandments that would shape the lives of those wishing to honor God for thousands and thousands of years to come. And the fourth of these 10 commandments speaks directly to our observer, observation of the Sabbath. Here's what it says in verse eight. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. All right, I wanna pause for just a moment and just quick show of hands. Like how many of you can genuinely say without lying since we are in church this morning, that you remember that the Sabbath and that the observation of the Sabbath is one of the 10 commandments. Like genuinely, honestly, it's about a quarter of the room. And to be totally transparent, I'm not surprised that it's not more. The reality is this idea of observing the Sabbath and keeping it holy is one of the commands uh, of the 10 commandments that we talk the very least about in the modern church. And not only do we not preach about the Sabbath, but oftentimes we actually celebrate and take pride in the ways that we break it, right? It's one of these weird things where oftentimes we're in conversations and, and we're proud of the amount of work that we got done without any rest. Like we take pride in working 10 days straight. And, and in reality, it's breaking a, 
command that God has given us, right? Like we as people of God don't run around being proud of lying or stealing or cheating. We're not proud of, right, stealing the office supplies from our place of work or or sleeping around or murdering that one neighbor we just can't get along with, right? Like we're not proud. We're just not proud of those things. But all of us have found ourselves in a conversation where we're stoked about the amount of work we got done last, uh, last weekend when we well know we should have surrendered one of those days to the Lord. Let's continue. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall do, or you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female slaves, nor your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. I love how clearly this, is, this command is laid out for the people of Israel. And I want to make just a couple of quick observations about it. First observation is the Sabbath command is about six days of work. Like this begins, this idea of Sabbath rest begins with six days you shall labor and do all of your work. And the theology, right, of Sabbath that begins with production in the agrarian society that Moses and the Israelites would have lived within This work is like hard physical manual labor. It could have been shepherding livestock or plowing fields. Maybe it's sowing seeds. Like this is hard physical work that would also directly contribute to the health and well-being of the entire society. Like this work would have contributed to those around them. And what God is saying to Moses and the Israelites is, hey, start with six days of work because your work really, really matters, right? And the reality, though, is the same is true for us today. Like for those of you who work, just think about it for a moment. You cash your paycheck because you contribute something to society. Now, it may be valued higher or lower than some other professions, right? But you're contributing something. You're maybe uh, laying bricks, you're painting houses, you're uh, maybe selling computer software or molding the minds of the next generation, whatever it is you do, what God's saying to you is you should do it in relentless pursuit of honoring him because it matters, right? But for just a moment, I want to speak to those of you who maybe no longer work, right? What about those of you who put in your 35 years and you retired here to the Quad City area in an effort to enjoy your newfound freedom in retirement? The reality is this this Sabbath command to labor, like I just don't think that you're exempt from it. Like I, I know you're past the days of clocking in and out from your nine to five job, but we all know that there is plenty of kingdom work to be done right here in our region. We all know of a dozen people that need to know Jesus. We all interact with them playing pickleball or whatever it is that you do with your time. And we know that we are called as the people of God by the Great Commission to make more and better disciples. And, and church, if you're retired, that is your work, right? That's the work that you are called to be doing. And I know what you're thinking now, right? You're thinking, man, I might be retired, but I'm busier than I've ever been, right? Like how many of you have said that before, feel that sense of, ah, I'm just so busy. I can't find any time. But the reality is if you are retired, I just want to push you on this a little bit because, because you're busy in the ways that you choose to be. Like you have oftentimes have the flexibility to choose your own busy. And within the context of knowing how much God cares about our work and how we spend our time, my only suggestion is that you might choose wisely. I want to give you one example of what that might look like. 
uh, author and pastor John Piper in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, uh, compares and contrasts the lives of four different people. The first two are a couple named uh, Bob and Peggy. Bob and Peggy retired five years early from their corporate jobs in the Northeast, and they moved to Punta Gorda, Florida. It's a sunshine part of the state. It's incredible. And what they now spend most of their time doing is playing slow-pitch softball or bocce ball. They uh, sail around on their 30-foot trawler, and they love to collect seashells from the Florida coastline. Sounds like a really great way to spend the last few years of your life. The second pair are two single women named Ruby and Laura. Ruby was single her entire life, and Laura was a, a recent widow. They were both pushing 80 years old, but had one very clear mission in their life. It was Ruby and Laura's mission to make disciples of Jesus, like to go out into the world and make the name of Jesus known to the poor, to the sick, and to the marginalized. In fact, at pushing 80 years old, they both became missionaries in Cameroon, West Africa. Like they dedicated the, the last years of our, their lives to the missions field. One day as they were driving into their village, the brakes on their car failed, sending it flying off a cliff, hitting the ground, exploding on impact, and they were both killed immediately. And my question for you today, as you compare and contrast the lives of Bob and Peggy and the lives of Ruby and Laura, my question is, which ending is the tragedy, church? Like, which ending is the tragedy? In hindsight, you might think it's a tragedy for two elderly missionary women to die in a foreign country alone and away from anyone that they knew and loved. But the reality is today, like, is it a tragedy to spend the last years of your life making the name of Jesus famous to the poor, to the marginalized, to the broken? Or is it a tragedy to move to Punta Gorda, Florida, spending the last years of your life becoming more complacent and apathetic to the work we know we have to do while we're here on earth, right? Like, which is the tragedy? Maybe I can ask the same question this way. I want to get a little personal. When your time comes to an end, like when your days here on earth come to, the end, uh, to an end and, and you go to meet Jesus face-to-face, -face, would you rather go out with a bang doing every single thing that you can as a follower of Jesus to bring as many people to heaven alongside you or... Would you rather go meet Jesus with nothing more to show for your last years here on this earth than a half-empty jar of seashells from the Florida coastline? Church, we know, we all know there is so much work to be done while we're here on this earth. And in this, in this Sabbath command to work, God is asking us to do that very work, just to try to honor him in the midst of it. My second observation from this text is the Sabbath is about six days of labor, but it's also about one day of rest. Uh, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Again, I just love how clear this text is. It says the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, right? So for six days we work and for one day we rest. The traditional Hebrew Sabbath would start about 20 minutes before sundown on Friday evening and go for a slightly longer than 24-hour period into Saturday night. And within the Israelite uh, culture, this is the one day of week where all work would cease across the board. No one was working all at once. 
Uh, and the reality is in the Jewish faith, this still happens like to this day. Of 20 minutes before sundown on Friday, Sabbath begins, work ceases. They are, they are done for over 24 hours every single week. Uh, in fact, if you were to go to Israel on the Sabbath today, you may notice a few things that are really, really interesting. Uh, first thing you might notice is if you go into a, a multi-story building, the elevator actually stops on every single floor during the Sabbath to avoid the work of pushing the butt, right? You may also notice if you go sit down for lunch or dinner on the Sabbath that the table would likely be set with paper plates or plastic silverware, plasticware, uh, to avoid the work of dishes at the end of the evening. I say amen to that. I just can't stand dishes, right? The last thing you might notice, right? Like God forbid you forget to pre-tear your toilet paper the day before the Sabbath and you really, really, really have to go, right? It would just be terrible, but all these things are done in the, in the faith of the Jews because to them, the Sabbath is still so incredibly important. Like, I don't want you to miss that the, this is a holy day to the Jews. This word holy day, holiday, it's the same derivative that we get holidays from, just means to be set apart. Like the Sabbath is a day that is set apart from the rest, right? And again, in the Jewish culture, this still happens to this day. You'll notice that this text says the Sabbath is a day to the Lord your God. Again, this emphasizes this idea of we are, we are surrendering this day to our God to spend it with him. Notice just quickly that the text doesn't say that the Sabbath, uh, the seventh day is a Sabbath to sit on your couch and watch Netflix for nine hours. That's not what our text says to us. It's not just that sort of rest. It's a rest in God. Neither does the text say the Sabbath is a day to get a jump start on our work for the next week or to clean the gutters. Like this is a day that we surrender to God and we stop and cease all working. Like it actually doesn't matter how busy we are, we still stop and surrender to him. In fact, Moses would reemphasize this very point a few chapters later in Exodus 34, when he says, six days you shall labor, but the se uh, on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and the harvest, you must rest. And I, I really don't want you to miss the importance of what Moses is saying here. Again, circling back to the type of society they lived in, the plowing season and the harvest would be the primary food source for, for the entire society that they lived within. Like without the plowing season and the harvest, you wouldn't fill the storehouses. And if there was some sort of drought or famine and you couldn't get your food, like this was literally a life or death situation for the Israelites. And what Moses is, is reminding them is, hey, I get how important this is, but do you want to know what's more important? Like it's more important to us that we are obedient to this command of God and we allow ourselves to surrender this day to him in trust that he is going to provide for us. Again, I can't under or overemphasize how important this statement is in Exodus chapter 34, uh, because the reality is it bleeds over to today. Like for many of us, this, this whole concept of just being busy and I can't surrender to the today, like bleeds over. In fact, like we all have our own plowing seasons. We all have our own harvest, right? If you're a CPA, maybe your, your harvest is tax season. If you're a contractor, maybe it's the building deadline, right? If you're an insurance agent, maybe it's an 
open enrollment. If you're a teacher, it's the week before school starts. If you're a, a pastor like me, it's Christmas, it's Easter. Like the reality is we all have busy seasons. And what Moses is saying in a situation that's far more extreme than most of ours is it doesn't matter how busy you are. Like you don't get to choose what commands you obey and what commands you disobey. He's asking for your obedience even in this when you're busy. Uh, The reality is today is that being busy is not an excuse to delay or be outright disobedient to the Sabbath command. I'm going to say that again, mostly for myself. Being busy is not an excuse to delay or just be outright disobedient to the Sabbath command. In fact, I would suggest that it's in our busiest seasons that, that surrendering a day to the Lord can have some of the greatest impact in our lives. So let's answer the question, what is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is one day per week that we surrender to the Lord while inviting him to do his restorative work in us. Uh, Next, why, uh, why does the Sabbath matter? I believe that one of the reasons the Sabbath is mentioned over 170 times in scripture is because the Sabbath rhythm has been ingrained into the very DNA of creation, like from the very beginning of time. Exodus chapter 20, in fact, points back to the Genesis 1 story uh, where God creates heavens and earth and all that dwell within them by saying this, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the seas and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What I take out of this text is that even our God, like even the creator of the heavens and the earth, the seas and everything that dwells within them, even God saw value in resting on the seventh day. And from the very beginning of time, this, this idea of six days of rest or work and one day of rest was the system that God created his people to exist and thrive within. And I, I just have to believe that anytime we try to reject or be just outright disobedient to the way God created us to be and flourish and thrive as humans, things are going to go very wrong very, very quickly. I want to give you one fun example. I'm sure it wasn't fun at the time, but I think it's fun to look back on now. Uh, During the French Revolution, the nation's leaders came up with this brilliant idea that would revolutionize the time and productivity of the entire nation. And in 1793, they would introduce what we now know as the French Republican calendar. This is what it looks like. Uh, And though you may be much more fluent in French than I am, let me just explain kind of what's going on here. Uh, Essentially, what the the nation's leaders in France had decided to do is change our seven-day week into a 10-day rolling work week. So you would work for nine days before getting your one day off, and then after your one day off, it would roll over again to nine more days of work. And mathematically speaking, this makes like just complete and perfect sense. Uh, in fact, you would, instead of getting only 250 work days out of your employees, now get 324, which in theory increases productivity by almost 30%. However, before any of you managers or business owners get any crazy ideas, man, I just believe there is a stark, stark warning in the outcome from the nation of France. 
Over the course of the 10 years that this French Republican ca uh, Republic calendar was used, the suicide rates across the nation skyrocketed. They went way up and to the right. Not only that, but anxiety and depression rose to epidemic level proportions. And though they were, uh, they increased productivity, you know, 30% by the more man hours, they were working 74 more days per year. Productivity actually took a nosedive. It was at an all-time low. So why am I telling you all this about the French Revolution? Well, the reality is, I believe it matters. And I believe what this story teaches us is that when we rebel against the very way God created and orchestrated us as his people to live, like when we rebel against that, we rebel against six days of work and one day of rest, we're gonna lose every single time. So... What does, uh, why does the Sabbath matter? Well, I believe the Sabbath matters because God created his people to exist in this rhythm of work and rest in him. Last but not least, how is it that we in 21st century America observe the Sabbath? If I could be really honest with you this morning, it was about four months ago that I realized I'd be preaching one of these sermons over, over the summer during this Variety Pack series. And I was really excited. I was really excited to jump into it. And I was looking through the list of spiritual disciplines and I was reading things like Bible intake and prayer, fasting, scripture memorization. And then I read this word Sabbath. And I don't know if you've ever felt like that like gut feeling of conviction before, but that's exactly what I had. Like immediately I was convicted at a soul level. The reality is, uh, over my Christian life, the last uh, 20 so years, man, I have been the chief of sinners in this idea of Sabbath rest. And that's the exact reason that I knew this was the topic that I had to teach on. Because over the last four months, as I've been preparing, I've made a conscious effort to make Sabbath rest a part of my regular rhythm. Like I've made an effort to choose obedience in this spiritual discipline. And though I certainly don't get it right every single time, I would love just to share what it is that I've learned in the midst of this, uh, because I think it might be helpful uh, if you're in a similar boat to me. Now, this last section, this next maybe five or seven minutes here, are going to be really, really practical. So if you're a note taker, go ahead and grab a pen, something to write with, open up your notes app, because uh, you're going to want to write some of this down here so you don't forget it. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, author John Mark Comer identifies four Sabbath practices, practices for Sabbath rest that come from four literal translations of the Hebrew word Shabbat. And it's these four practices, these four words that have been the single most helpful guide to me as I lean into Sabbath rest myself. Uh, I hope they are to you as well. Here's the first. We mentioned it earlier. The first uh, literal translation of this word Shabbat is to stop or to cease. Like we cease all working. We cease all thinking about work and we stop all worrying about work at all. And man, I recognize this is so much easier said than done. But the way that I think about stopping and, and just ceasing all work is through the lens of a practical way to surrender something, some part of your life to God, right? Choosing to cease is choosing to humbly release control back to God, right? It's an act of remembering that our God is going to do his work with or without us. We're invited into a piece of that work by his grace, but man, he's gonna do it with or without us. And it just allows us to release control of that work back to him. 
Uh, Practically, more often than not, my Sabbath is from Thursday evening to Friday evening. That just happens to be the rhythm that works for me. For you, it might be Saturday, or maybe it's Sunday where you get to worship amongst the body of believers. That's incredible. Maybe it's a Tuesday. If you've got a floating schedule, it really doesn't matter what day it is. But what does matter is that we stop and we cease all working and worrying about work. Uh, right? When I think about this idea of stopping, what it looks like practically in my life is Thursday when I head home for the day, my church laptop and my whole bag of work stuff just stays in my office until, until Sunday, right? It looks like me turning my phone off or putting it on focus mode so I only get texts and calls from my wife so I'm not distracted by anything else. And it also looks like, right, me just releasing control of appointments and meetings that I might want to schedule and last minute prep for Sunday, all the things that I want to be doing to prepare, I release those things to God. And trust me, like for me personally, more often than not, this is really, really hard for me to do. One thing you should know about me is, man, I love getting stuff done. I love checking things off of a list. I'll write them out just so I can cross them off. Like it just feels good to get things done, right? In fact, my job here at Quad City, my my job title is executive pastor. I literally get paid to help our team and our volunteers execute the work of ministry. Like, I just love doing stuff. I love being productive. But the reality for me is that Sabbath, this idea of stopping and ceasing one day per per week is exactly what it takes for me to lay down what has become an idol of productivity in my life. And man, I, I know I'm a better follower of Jesus for it. The second literal translation of this Hebrew word Shabbat is to rest. Like we get to embrace rest on a soul level. We get to rest every part of who we are. When I think of this idea of rest, I like to break it into three categories. The first is simple. It's physical rest. Like maybe you sleep in or you take a nap in the afternoon. Like we get to, to rest physically and recover from the work that we are a part of. Second category is mental and emotional rest. Like we get to slow down, we get to calm down, and we get to process all that happened last week and all that will happen next week. We get to rest mentally and emotionally. One of the really important practices of mindfulness is this idea of mentally resting and taking back control of your thought life in your mental and emotional rest. And last, uh, but certainly not least, is this idea of spiritual rest. Right, and that might sound weird, but so many of us constantly find ourselves like striving to please God. And though that is holy and honorable, the Sabbath is a day where we get to remember his promises. We get to sit back and rest in the fact that we serve a God that will never leave us and will never forsake us. That he paid the price of our sin on the cross by the body and blood of his son, Jesus, and that will never change. Like we get to rest in what God's already done for us. It's an incredible opportunity uh, that brings a lot of peace to me personally. Last note on this idea of rest, there's a, a Jewish philosopher and theologian named Abraham Joshua Heschel. He's an author, and he says this. He has this quote that says, one who works with their hands will Sabbath with their minds, and one who, who works with their minds will Sabbath with their uh, hands. I did that backwards, but I think you get the point anyways. Like this idea is, man, if I have a job where I'm framing houses all day, I probably don't want to go do some woodworking on my Sabbath, right? That's probably not super restful for me. And for me in particular, you know, most of my work is emotional and, and it's much more, you know, conversations with people rather than physical. 
So for me, when I go and get some rest, that often looks like doing something. Like it often looks like going for a run or going for a bike ride. I get to be a little bit more active, right? For you, if you've got uh, no job or a, a, an emotional job, right? That's not as physical. Maybe it's woodworking or quilting or building model trains, right? If you do have a physical job, then you likely just want to sit on your couch and read a book, Honestly, like you want to go out on the porch and drink a cup of coffee, crack open your Bible for a couple hours. Like it's okay to have these different ideas of rest based on how we spend our time. But the most important piece within this this practical uh, rest that Abraham Joshua Heschel is speaking of is that we do all things from a, a mindset of resting in God. Like this isn't aimless enjoying hobbies. This is rest in God. Uh, The third translation from this Hebrew word, Shabbat, is to delight. Man, I just love that word, delight, right? Like we get to delight in, engage in uh, activities that spark joy and wonder and happiness in our lives, right? We get to delight in and enjoy the blessings of this earth that God has set forth for all of us, right? Again, practically for me, I mentioned some of the ways that, that has looked in the past. I usually spend a lot of time outside on my Sabbath, I like to go for a hike or go rock climbing, going for a bike ride on Friday mornings. Those are all things I do with regularity because it's restful for me to delight in those those blessings from God. It also looks like enjoying food. One thing you should know about me is I love to cook. Like I really love cooking. It's restful for me. Most Saturday or Sunday nights after church, I go home and cook a big meal. So I just love to do that. But even more than cooking, what I really love is to eat a lot. So I do both of those things on the Sabbath a whole lot. And then lastly, you know, I get to delight in my family. You know, it's an opportunity for me to get away from the distractions of life, to sit back in, in a delight playing catch with my son Porter in the backyard, going for a bike ride, or maybe just watching a movie at the end of the evening. Like, this is what it looks like to me to rest. There's a number of things that might come uh, to mind for you within this idea of delighting in some of the things that you enjoy. But again, it's so important to do it from a place of worship and gratitude, delighting in the blessings of this earth that God has set forth for us. And last but not least, our last translation of the Hebrew word Shabbat is to worship. Like in the midst of our stopping, our ceasing, our resting, and our delighting on our Sabbath days, we do all things from a position of worship. The Sabbath is one day per week where we get to slow down and remember, like we are images of the one true God, that he loves us and he invites us in to this time alongside him. So I just want to finish kind of where we began here, right? What is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is simply one day per week that we surrender to the Lord while inviting him to do his restorative work in us. Why does the Sabbath matter? Well, it matters because God created his people to exist within this rhythm of work and rest in him. And how do we observe the Sabbath? Well, we stop and we rest and we, we delight in and worship the name of Jesus. Simply put, that is the practical act of Sabbath. But I want to leave you with this one last thought. I know a lot of this sounds pretty idealistic. Like it sounds really nice and happy. And what you're probably saying to me right now is like, hey man, that's really cool. All that stuff's great. But if you just knew what I was dealing with, like if you just knew what I was going through in my own life, you would know I'm too busy for that. Like you would know I don't have the time or the mental capacity to to stop and let myself slow down into my own thoughts. For some of us, that's a scary place to be from time to time. Here's here's, uh, uh, what I think is a very 
helpful and practical word from the mouth of Jesus. Again, this is pretty, uh, a pretty negative way to end our time together, but there is so much hope in what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. He says this, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My question for you today is this, is this something that you want? Like, do you have a desire to have the peace and rest of God on a soul level like you've never experienced it? Like Jesus is offering a definitive statement. You will find rest for your souls. Come to me and you will find this sort of rest that our culture is so desperately longing for. Like Jesus is offering it to us freely. It's a definitive statement. He's just saying, come to me. Like come to me and bring me your anxiety and your depression. Come to me and lay at my feet your pain and your exhaustion. Come to me with your your numbness. Come to me with all of the things you don't want to deal with. Just lay them at my feet and come to me. Like when you're you're burdened, come to me. When you lost a, a close loved one and are mourning, come to me and lay that at my feet. When you wake up today and you don't think you can live another day like the one you just went through, come to me anyways and you will find a rest for your soul. Church, if we're willing, like just once, like if we're willing to lay down our pride and our preferences and be obedient to the Sabbath command to rest and come to Jesus, we will, we will have the potential to experience a peace and a rest of God like we have never seen in our lives before. Right? Jesus is just saying, come to me. And not only is he saying, come to me, but he's given us the way to do that. Like this spiritual discipline of the Sabbath is the very system designed by God in our creation that allows us to come before Jesus and experience this rest for our souls that he wants us to take advantage of. We just need to come to him and do it with regularity. As we close our time together, would you mind standing with me? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to experience the worship and and fellowship of one another in a way that I hope allows you to find some rest today. Would you pray with me? Father God, we love you. And God, we are so grateful that you're a God that knows what we need before we can ever articulate it. God, we're grateful that you're a God that sees us where we are and, and have put in this practice God, this practice of Sabbath that just grows us in likeness of you and your son, Jesus, so that we have an outlet for our our pain and our anxiety and our disconnection from humanity. God, I'm so, so glad for the clarity of your word and my prayer today. God, my prayer is that you might allow us and and convict us with your Holy Spirit to take a step deeper into a much needed rest that we know won't come from our hobbies. It won't come from our, our activities. It won't even come from our family, but it will come from you, God. Give us that reminder today. God, we're grateful for your son, Jesus, and we pray all these things in his precious name. Amen. 
Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.